Welcome to episode 317 of Grid Talk. Today we're here to postpone the mid-season break mania with something a little bit different that may or may not go wrong. I'm just putting that out there. My name is Ruby Pricing. Joining me, we have Grid Talk co-hosts Wayne Medford and Tom Downey. Hello. Hello. And Formula Talk host and from EF1, Sophia Richmond. Hi. But first, before we get into this episode, we must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. But first, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. So for as far back as Formula One has existed, there have been opinions on it, whether it be a printed newspaper article, a podcast, um, broadcast presenters, there's always been a fair share of opinions to go from a simmer to the boil. Today, we're here to share our spiciest of hot takes about Formula One. Here's how the format is going to work. Each of our panel will get 90 seconds in which to argue their hot take. After those 90 seconds are done, we shall open the floor up to a panel discussion where the rest of our panel will have a chance to respond. For the listeners at home, share your hot takes in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or send them to the socials, which you can find at Grid Talk UK. So now we understand the assignment. Sophia, you're in the hot seat. Um, there's Ooh. 90 seconds on the clock and it's time to add some fuel to this fire. What is your hot take in three two one well we're definitely starting it off i think very controversial i think lewis will never win his eighth title i think given with the new regulations and how behind mercedes was of uh, seasons ago with the upgrades and obviously they're now kind of getting back into it a little bit decently i think uh the red bulls too competitive i think also other teams are going to get moving up closer to the top level of uh, the grids. I think it's just un- it's unrealistic for Lewis to get it. George is performing very well and is potentially outperforming him um, as we saw last season and potentially for this season as well. But he will never get his eighth title. Like I know people were saying that he's going to wait until his eighth and retire. I think that will never happen even in the next couple of years. Plenty of time still on the clock. But I know. Still- but- you know, I mean, we're starting off one of the biggest rivalries in F1 in the last five years. Wayne, I'm going to take it to you. What's your What's your response? Let's hear it. I I I think that would be, I think that would be a reasonable uh, prediction. Um, maybe a few years ago, in the pre cost cap era, I think after the cost cap, we've seen how quickly, may, you know, and maybe it was just a result of a uh, Red Bull backing off development because they can uh, last year and you know creating a monster this year so I can only ima- I can only imagine what it'll be like next year um, but I think there's one of those things where the, the teams yeah they're closer together but they're also you know the, the the rate of development through the season changes so much now so teams can start off quite far behind as we saw with Mercedes uh, last year and this year and and be you know, coming towards race wins and and putting it on pole, and you know maybe that's just mess ups by Red Bull, and and you know they're not that they're, they're sort of holding back a little bit, they're sandbagging. But I think there's a certain amount of the 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 the, the sort of fluidity of the grid means that yeah, teams can start off really far back like Mercedes have, but if you've got a decent amount of personnel and you're working really hard and you make you know the the the, the you know the intelligence doesn't go away. That's how we've seen people make. Um, sort of big jumps uh even with 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 lesser sort of amounts of money uh financially speaking um you know I, th- I think it's possible for mercedes to get back up to the top of the grid that will help uh that will help uh lewis i mean by all means mercedes can win races and do well in constructors but i don't think it will be enough to win a world championship title that's the biggest thing i think how max has been in his dominance which I'll talk about him later on, potentially. Um, his dominance and even 
the other Red Bull with Checo and Ferrari. Like there is other teams that make it more competitive, but I don't think it will be competitive enough to win a world championship. They will definitely win races in the next couple of seasons, by all means, 100%. We saw that with Brazil last year. We might see that for this season, but who knows actually because of Red Bull. But I don't think it will be enough for them for Lewis to actually get the world championship title for him. I think Lucius' time has almost sort of come and gone, to be honest. You know, he's, he's definitely getting into the twilight years of his career. I'm not saying that he can't win a title later on in his career, because you, know, you look at people like Nicky Lauda, etc., who won titles when they were that bit older. But Mercedes nailed the 2014 engine regulations, and they then, you know, the 2014 to 2016, that Merck was unstoppable in you know, all those three years. And then obviously 2020, that Merck was unstoppable, um, you know, because they had, they had no real competition that year. Um, but 2017 to 2019, we saw when there was a slight regulation change, and then 2019, we had a slight change to the front wing as well. I think it simplified it a bit. Um, yes, Hamilton won, and Mercedes won, you know, constructors and all the rest of it. But it's just, you know, just Merck did not nail the 2022 regs at all. You know, they, they got it pretty wrong. And you know, they went for a concept which was great on paper, and, you know, you've always got to try it. And then, you know, then this year, 2023, they tried the new sidebar thing again and it just hasn't worked. I, you know, when you get to the top in sport or anything, there's only one way which you can go once you hit the top, and that is down. And that is that is where Merck have gone. And, you know, you know, that's where Hamilton's gone. And, you know, that's where Red Bull and Vettel went in, you know, in the early 2010s. That's where Max and Red Bull are going to go at some point, you know, maybe 2026 or, you know, 2025. You know, we, we, we don't know yet, but. <laughs> The other thing you've got to factor in is, does Hamilton still have the desire? You know, I, I think he does. But, you, you know, he didn't win a race last year. His teammate won a race, um, you know, and, and a sprint. Would Merck back him or would they back Russell? That's the other thing you've got to look at as well. Um, I'm not opening that to a bigger question because that's probably a podcast in itself. Let's do that next week. But, um, but, uh, but you know, just I just wonder if you know, we sort of had a bit of a changing of the guard at Mercedes as well. Bit of an interesting one there. Changing of the guard, um you know, there is obviously talk about, obviously, last season, Russell, um, you know, w- very much had the measure of Lewis. Um, this season, it's been a bit different. But a stat that I came across in um, our sister podcast, The Monkey Seat, the other day was that, you know, if you look across since Russell joined Mercedes, um, both teams, well, both drivers, sorry, have got an almost equal amount of points. So they're very much extracting the maximum across. If we use the usual driver logic, you know, like when you see two drivers being within a tenth of each other in qualifying, um, you know, across that period of time, they've definitely, you know, extracted the maximum amount of the car. But however, obviously, there's time for more things to come out of that. Um, Does anyone else have anything else to add to this hot take? Does anyone want to... We've obviously had an argument very much supporting it we've had an argument very kind of straying into against it anything to round it off i didn't outright i didn't outright so sort of uh go against it because i was because because i kind of i kind of think you're probably right um i think it's possible for mercedes to get to the point where they're back in construct in championship uh sort of competition level um but i think you know russell will sort of change the game there like uh you, you say it's a changing of the guard i think i think russell is uh is kind of he's not bottas um which is you know it's one of those things where i think he's much more like lewis than than valtteri ever was and i think it's gonna it would be a much more of an inter-team fight and yeah lewis has got the experience to handle that but um i just think maybe yeah maybe the sun is setting on that on that career it has been a long one. We have seen drivers go for longer. I'll keep coming back. Fernando Alonso, cough, cough. But yeah, um, we'll settle. We'll settle that hot take for now. Um, Wayne, you are the second in the hot seat. Ninety seconds on the clock, and we're putting things onto a medium heat. What's your hot take? In three, two, one. My hot take is that no circuit should be removed from the calendar purely because it produces poor racing. Safety issues, absolutely, should be removed. But 
if it's if it's just that it perform, uh, produces poor racing, I'm thinking Monaco. I'm thinking maybe Zandvoort. You know, Hungary. Even of of course, those are interesting races. But you know, my my main point is that it's a world championship, and you have to compete against the circuits as much as the other drivers. Um, you know, the range of challenges that we see in F1 is what makes it the pinnacle of motorsport. You know, it's not an NHRA grad drag strip it's not pike's peak you're not building a car to do one thing really well you have to build it to do all of the things really well you ha it has to be fast on the straights at uh at monza it has to be twist it, you know it has to be able to deal with the twists and turns of monaco and zandvoort it has to you know it has to it has to sort of do every single thing you know it, it has to be able to go through the elevation change of of uh of spa but also be on on the tracks that are billiard table smooth like you know for the uh, let's let's say Silverstone, so it's it's got to be able to do all of those things. And what we look for is the are the drivers and teams that can build a car that will go around those circuits as on average the fa the fastest over the course of the season. That's why we watch. That's why we tune in. It's not it's not that they sh you know poor poor racing is just a matter of well you know what that's just kind of how it goes. You know you've got to be able to do all of that, and it's the one who's fastest in qualifying. Oh, you've got that almost bang on there i was ready to mute you then um but yeah from bernie drums to car parks there's certainly a lot to be said about the various circuits added to the f1 calendar and some taken away too soon sophia do you have a response yeah i mean i half agree but also disagree at the same time i think there is unpredictable unpredictability when it comes to some of these races that are iconic i'll take monaco for example it's been known as a boring race but when we had rain a couple of seasons ago it made it very interesting to watch but i also do believe that we need to allow for uh other tracks that have not had as much opportunity to come onto the calendar i.e bring back hockenheim um go like some of the racing that we normally see all the time kalami for example that's been on the rumors and in order to do that, they're going to take away the t the circuits that are performing less to give opportunity to other historical tracks or new tracks, not street circuits, not Vegas. I'm not talking about the States, but just talking about other ones. We're not racing that much in Asia. Obviously, we're expanding a bit more post-COVID, but we're not racing in Africa. Like there, there should be more opportunities for other circuits to kind of get involved into the calendar where it is possible. I do believe keeping historic tracks are given, Spa, Monaco, Silverstone, all those ones. But at the same time, it if it's a couple of seasons, maybe three to four races, and it kind of produces the same results, maybe shake it up for one season and see. Take Paul Ricard, for example. We've taken that off now. So at the moment, like obviously, it didn't produce the best racing, and they've taken off and now filled in with, I hate to say Vegas, but that could be quite an interesting one. We don't know. We could have had Malaysia. We could have had other ones kind of come into play. So I agree, but also disagree in that because we need to let more tracks into the calendar to make it more, as you say, universal world championship. Yeah, it's kind of like finding a, you know, balancing act between historical and modern. Tom, do you have a response? Yeah, so... Oh, and you made a really good point, you know, where, where you said that, you know, it's a world championship and it's not, you know, whilst the sport is entertaining, it's, you know, it, it's not an entertainment series. And, you know, it, it's in a similar way to, you know, any other sport, you know, so I watched the rugby yesterday, I watched the England for Wales game. It was a dire game. The first half especially was awful. You know, you know, really, really, really dull and you know, no, no entertainment as such. And it was just a really boring game. And you have some circuits which are like that. You know, some circuits do not produce the best racing to watch as a spectator. But as we know, granted, when we play the game, you know, obviously it's very different. Um, you know, when 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 we have our F one sessions, you know, we'll you know, we'll be putting it on and we'll be going, oh God, I absolutely love this circuit. You drive him around, he just pounds out the laps. And you might not be overtaking anyone, you know, you might not be you know past anyone, you, know, you might not be anywhere near what someone. But it's you'd be sort of like tracks which perhaps don't always provide the best racing and oh, sorry when i say the best racing i mean you know action and overtaking oh yeah band sparkles um you know for paraphrase and i don't mean sparkles by people blowing up um it's uh you know it's, it's, it's like you know if, sometimes you get races which are just absolute bangers and people go oh this this you know this circuit used to stay on the calendar but in reality it can be 
there's been rain, there's been an issue in quality, and then there's you know, or, 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 or you know, a, you know, the driver's spun out, or you know, whatever it is. You know, it's just thrown up a bit of a mixed order, and that's that's when sometimes you see the races that are absolute bangers. Nine times out of ten, we have races where you know, especially this season, and we had it in the sort of we have it in every dominant era where we see teams that are just at the top and they take pole or they take a front row and they just waltz off and you can't really blame circuits for that yeah absolutely and there is something to be said i think it was kind of hinted at or at least um very much you know mentioned in other sports like every now and then in football you get a nil nil draw that doesn't mean that it wasn't a good match that just means that no team came out on top when it comes to racing you know um that can still happen, you know, a, t- a driver can win by 22 seconds and we still have a good race, just we're not racing for P1 in that scenario, we're racing for something else. But, you know, in terms of races and calendars and circuits, you know, give everywhere a shot within reason is my opinion. Um, But, you know, the calibre of the fight for first shouldn't necessarily be the thing that dictates as to whether it's coming back the next time around. But looking at some more hot takes then, Tom, your first time in the hot seat, 90 seconds on the clock. Are we simmering or going to the boil? What's your hot take in three, two, one? Uh, Piastri's going to win a race before Lando, and I don't even think it's that hot of a take. As soon as Piastri got all the upgrades that Lando had, he's had the measure of him. He's been arguably better than him. He outdid him in uh, uh, in Spa. Uh, yes, Lando has more podiums, but Lando had more upgrades to, to begin with. And Piastri's still a rookie. And look at what he's doing as a rookie in that car. Um, it's only a matter of time before he crosses that check of that, um, uh, you know, takes that check of flag P1. I don't think it will be this year, mainly because of um, you know, maybe because of how dominant Red Bull are. But I think when McLaren get into a position where you know where the, where they can where they can take a win, I think Piastri will do it because Lando bottled it. Discuss. Discuss. He says after not even half of the time allocated to him. Um, but adding some paprika to this papaya, the McLaren drivers have been fiery in the second quarter of this season, and both are still chasing their very first wins. Very spicy. Who wants to take it from here? I'll take it. Go on. <laughs> I uh, I don't disagree. Uh, I don't even have a response. My my, 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 my entire response is, I, I don't think, it's, it's, I'm kind of co-opting it, but uh, Lando Norris is a good driver. Piastri is a great driver. That's the difference. You know, Piastri had a year out. He had a testing program. You know, he went through the turmoil, honestly, of going through the uh, going through the contract disputes and all of that. And then he's come along, and as you say, Tom, very quickly, he's faster than he's faster than Lando. He's probably better than Lando. Lando's unfortunate in that he's kind of come along as you know a decent rookie. But uh, you know, and a, and a decent driver, and he's had the measure of the people he's been up against. Um, but I think the people that he's been up against have been around his skill level. They haven't been better than his skill level, and, and he's yet to beat Piastri. He might have the experience, but um, you know, I don't, I don't think he's ex- he's a, as exciting as Piastri is. I don't think like Piastri seems more in the in the flavour of Max Verstappen, Alonso, Hamilton. You know, the greats. Um, whereas. I'm, I'm sorry, but I think Lando is more like a Carlos Sainz. Unfortunately, you know he he can win races, but I don't think he's going to go and win one first. I think you know that th- that time unfortunately has been and gone. Oh, as a McLaren fan, I oh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that Russia's going to haunt Lando for his career. What would have been his win, and that decision to not change tires, I think, will be probably his like. Achilles toe of his career, his race career. I think it just wasn't it just wasn't a good call. But with also the upgrades as well, McLaren is still upgrading as well. They have not fully done all the upgrades because they saw that it was working at like 75%. They're like, we're just gonna hold and wait and then let that settle and then maybe add some more upgrades. So there could be a little bit more and it could be detrimental to some of the uh, to both of the drivers. It could be beneficial to the drivers. We don't know. We've seen it with upgrades. Take Mercedes, for example. Sometimes they've done upgrades and it turned out 180. Didn't benefit them at all. Alpine. Um, it pains me because Lando is a good driver, but I think, like both of y'all have said, like I think his days have passed to when he's like hitting his peak 
I can see him very much to be like a signs or a Bartas, I think, going up to how it is. I think Oscar, even with taking time out, has still has the skill and I think he's still developing it. Obviously learning about these new tracks that he's not been racing to in his previous careers, but he has a lot more talent and ability because, I mean, he holds a record similar to uh, George Russell, I believe, winning every rookie year in his um the feeder series as well. So, like, that's a record that only three people, I think, have at the moment. Yeah, three. Um, So that's a good feat to have that shows how he is as a driver. And I think his ability, his uh, Piastri's driver style is a lot more full-on compared to Lando. Lando takes the reserve, the kind of, I'm just going to wait to see something happens and then dive in, whereas Oscar's, like, willing to take some moves, as we saw in the last couple of races as well. But pains me to say because I do like Lana Norris but yeah no Oscar I think I to be fair I think they could actually have a win that might be adding to a hot take they could actually have a win this season I think it's gonna be a sprint though not an actual race in that case does it really count you know do we count sprints towards all of these totals who knows but I mean ultimately like it does seem fairly obvious I'll say fairly obvious it does seem fairly obvious that you know the McLaren drivers are sort of matched in the in the you know machinery that they've got um we have seen obviously like lando winning through well beating his teammate through strategy um you know in terms of staying out a bit longer or undercutting and putting in a belter of a lap to come out you know four seconds up the road um by the time the pit stops play out but it does seem very likely that oscar piastri just has like oscar has had a run of poor luck when it comes to things like safety cars. Eventually that luck's going to turn and that's going to be the thing that puts him, you know, on the top step, I think, with obviously, you know, his ability and an improving McLaren at the same time. It's just circumstance and all of that. Um, But yeah, uh, circling things back around now, second time in the hot seat for Sophia Richmond. There's 90 seconds on the clock. Are we going spicy? Are we going Italian-style spicy? Let's find out. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> I would say Italian-style spicy. I think Ferrari will never have dominance like they used to. I think while they do have a good car, I think the staffing with changing team principles, uh, Fred Russell, I think... I think he, when he was first announced, I think it sounded like a great fit. But like looking at how it's been, obviously there's been a lot of shakeups with Mechie's leaving to go to AlphaTauri. I think right now they need to focus on their staff structure and looking at branding. But the issue is, is that there's so much probably outside noise that is affecting a lot of the decisions because they don't want to upset like the Tafosi and like all their fans. But I just... <sighs> The car is great. I think the car could be a good contender. It's the staff. And also, I hate to say, Charles is too complacent now. I think he's been with Ferrari for a bit. He's I, He's been in the mess of bad uh, strategy calls. He's made stupid mistakes. Take Azerbaijan, Baku, I am stupid. Um, to play, you also have his other I am stupid that took place, what, in France last year, I think it was? Well, I, I just think between him and Science, I would... I hate to say both of them go. I think they need new blood, new drivers, and younger drivers. And take his brother into Ferrari, take other development drivers, Ollie Behrman, for example. I think will actually give um, run for the money with the with the car that they have. You are both pushing the time limit here, Wayne yes. and Sophia. That's just before my timer went out on both occasions. But yeah, Ferrari not quite having the dominance they've ever used to. There does appear to be something you know, that is holding Ferrari back. And I don't know if it's part of trying to remain traditional Ferrari or, you know, trying to appease the Tifosi. But, Tom, what have you got to say? Ferrari don't even know how to win. They don't even know how to win a race, let alone um, win a championship or become a dominant force like they used to be. Ferrari back in the day, you know, like, you know, the Schumacher era, they had uh, what Jean Todd and uh, Jean Todd, sorry, and Ross Braun in charge, and they had Schumacher piloting that car, and their Barrichello picking up the pieces when needed. We are never going to see that again from Ferrari. 
I'm going to go out there and say it. We are never going to see that again because they are, they just don't know how to win. They bottle it at every given opportunity. Last year, they could have won the constructors. They could have, you know, they could have potentially won the drivers' championship. We could have had a real scrap last year. Reliability let them down. So, you know, so, and it's not like they buy an engines from somewhere else. You know, it is their own engine, which went bang at every... As soon as they introduced upgrades, puff, up in smoke every weekend, both cars, more or less. Um, the strategy, it's just a running joke by this point with Ferrari. I'm not even a Ferrari fan, and I feel sorry for Ferrari. You know, you know that that that's how bad it is. That that's how much of a meme they are. And you know, it's it's every time I see them coming onto strategy or whatever, or you see like the team radio come up, I just get that image of the Simpsons meme in my head. It's like, be careful, they're about to do something stupid, and it's just like you just know they are. You know, that, that's what I say every time they come on the radio. You, you know, it's just so. You know, they're just they're such we a frustrating team. Yeah, exactly. You know, every time we hear copy, we are checking. Or, or, or you hear... Questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, question. Asking their driver to do the strategy. Mate, that's your job. Do you do the strategy? You know, it, it's, it's such a sad state of affairs when you know when the drivers take the strategy into their own hands whilst they're racing. Seb did it you know, when he was there. Leclerc's now started doing it. Science is now doing it. They both did it in Canada, and that was their best result of the season. It's like, come on. Yeah, you know, so if your team's ready on a dart, they ain't going to win. Nah, never. Oh, Wayne, is there any hope for Ferrari to ever get this dominance back? There is. Um... Lies. It's get rid of uh, it's get rid of the current race team, uh, and get, uh, you know what? It's, it's stop focusing on on their road cars. Like we see it all the time. You know what? Ferrari been killing it with the road cars, and it's ruined their racing operation. They won. They've won Le Mans this year. That's the only race that they've won this year, and it's Le Mans, right? You know that you're right. The race team is abysmal. The like they they don't know how to run a racing team anymore. Uh, the, the, everyone else does. That's that's the biggest thing. It used to be, you know, for our, I, I don't think they've even got the shame anymore, which is the worst part. Enzo would be rolling in his grave at this point. You know, there are there's stories from 2004 when you know back when Ferrari was at its most dominant, where you know the, people, you know, engineers were hanging their heads in shame at not getting a one-two at, at every race that year. That's that's the level that we're talking about. Like it doesn't exist anymore. You know, that what they really need, I don't, I don't even know how they get back to it, but I, if they do, if they do get back to that level, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. They, they are the most, the, 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 we talk about it all the time, but they, they are the longest standing, most well-known racing team on the planet. If you, you no know, one knows a four, a lot of people don't know formula one. And, they they know Ferrari. If Ferrari gets its act together, if they if they you know if they basically if they do worse commercially, they'll do better in the races. And that's all they need to do. It, it's a few small, it's a few changes, and and a bit and a bit of you know steady handedness and and getting the drive back. And we'll be sitting there going, well, well, where, where did that come from? You know, they they proved it in twenty seventeen. They can do it. They just need to get the race team back together. I think people just need to like hold off on what Ferrari used to be and now start looking at what Ferrari could be. That's probably the biggest thing because you have it's again is a historical brand a hundred percent on it. But take McLaren for example as well. Like again, historical and obviously they've kind of changed how they are positioning themselves within it. Obviously, they're doing well in other disciplines, IndyCar, for example, P3 yesterday at the time of recording, whereas Ferrari is just not investing time and they're just thinking of oh we have fans we have followers we can get the money for sponsorships and then kind of do what we used to and then but they're losing fans i mean i joke when i say this i do a pub quiz almost every sunday and my team name for the longest while was ferrari strategy team because i was so awful and i was always coming last or making the wrong answer calls <laughs> i mean i i'm good now it's been a good year or so but when i first started off it was <laughs> really bad and it was a running joke on it <laughs> have you renamed so have you renamed your team to hammer schmitz now <laughs> wait what 
Have you been, if, 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 she, if she getting good now, have you renamed yourself to Hammer Schmitz? <laughs> no, I've changed it to the Bermuda Triangle with the song Staying Alive. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> a bit more fitting. But I yeah, we're all kind of in agreement. I think they just need to kind of start from scratch. I Again, I even think Charles and Carl Sainz should be gone and get new drivers in. I think New Blood, as a rebrand of everything, of the Ferrari, what used to be is in the past. We now need to look in the future. And it could be 2026, I think, is probably the best way to re-enter themselves as a rebranded Ferrari with all the changes and potentially new teams coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when people say F1, they do obviously, you know, most people do mean McLaren, Ferrari, you know, the biggest names in the brand. Um, but speaking of, for, well, I think we're moving on to a very fitting one here um, from the planning, considering, you know, how many, um, you know, talks there are about things that go on behind the curtains in Formula One. But, Wayne, you are currently in the hot seat for the second time. Your hot take with 90 seconds on the clock starts in three, two, one. My hot take is that no team should be allowed a rules veto, a long-standing team payment, or any other special benefits just for being in the sport for a lot for a long period of time. Uh, and my reason for that is that right, the rules veto is claimed to be the steady hand of experience um, for the good of the sport, uh, and it's wielded by Ferrari. They're the only team that has it in the Concord Agreement. Um, and my biggest thing about it is that. It's, you know, team personnel come and go. There's no one for, you know, even back in the day when there was when there was Enzo running the show. Yeah. OK. The guy had been there so long that, we, you know, he'd he'd, ru- he'd run the race team long enough that, you know, you could actually rely on one person to have that steady hand of proven judgment of what is good for Formula One as a sport. But that's not the case anymore. Uh, people come and go. Teams c- get bought and sold. Um you know, and, and personnel move around more than ever before. Um, for Ferrari to have a rules veto increasingly incentivizes um, the, the, them to use it as a gain uh, for their gain and, um, instead of everyone else. Um, additionally, the special benefits that are, are, are going to tend to accumulate to the teams um, that have been around longest and by the nature of one more. So automatically it ascends upwards to the teams that have the most, get the most. Um, that needs to go. Uh, no, no, I neither seem congruent with the idea of a level playing field uh, in terms of the rules for me. Putting it close again there, but not quite the 90 seconds bang on. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, no team is going to vote for a rule that actively harms them. Um, Tom, how would you like to come into this? Uh, I completely agree, to be honest. Um, I, you know, I, I don't even think it's that much of a hot take, I think it's just common sense, something which is sadly lacking in F1. Um, and oh, you made a very good point you know, about you know, these these sort of like I don't know if you call them historic payments or whatever, or these sort of you know these sort of like outstanding payments or whatever. Not outstanding, but you know the ones that the Ferrari get just for existing. Does that mean we could call Ferrari Kim Kardashian because because they're just getting paid to exist? Because um, that that's that's what it seems like. And it's like you know if you know in this era of the cost cap and all the rest of it, it's like. You know, throwing four hundred million at Ferrari, who, yes, you know they they bring you know a name and they bring you know they bring a lot of prestige and heritage and all the rest of it. Ultimately, in modern F one, prestige and heritage doesn't actually mean that much. As much as I love the older cars, you know, you know, one of my favorite ever F one cars, F W fourteen B, and then you know one of my other favorite ever cars, uh, Alonso Charles five Renault that V ten, love it, but. But you know, that kind of like history, that prestige and heritage, it doesn't really account for anything these days. And that's not a slight on you know sort of new fans we've got because I love seeing new fans in the sport and the sort of the you know, sort of like new era we've got through the big push through social media, the liberty it got, you know, drive to survive, and you know teams being a lot more sort of like outreach and all the rest of it. Look at McLaren now than when they used to be, you know, in the Ron Dennis era. Um, you know, they're a completely different team, you know, a lot more, you know, out there, a lot more fun, all the rest of it. And I love that. It's brilliant for the sport. It's what the sport needs. But teams that get these old, these sort of like gentlemen's agreement payments, it's, it's got Bernie Ackleson written all over it. You know, just a big briefcase for the cash, just slipped in the door, just uh, go on, there you are, cheers, and ta da. Um, you know, so, you know, and then it's just like, oh, by the way, you know, you, know, you can have that engine, but we won't tell anybody kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's got, you know, it's got that slide dog Bernie written all over it. And 
you know, if if Ferrari want to you know sort of throw their toys at the pram, which most teams seem to do every couple of years, where they say, oh, you know, if we don't like it, we'll pull out the sport. Red Bull did it, Mercedes did it, Ferrari did it. You know, most teams sort of, you know, most of the sort of bigger teams seem to do it, and it's just it's just throwing their toys at the pram. They're not going to do it because if they were going to do it, they'd have done it. Um, and it's just. Eh, it's not right for the sport. And in the cost cap era, you know, where the teams can only spend so much, that money that they are just funneling back into these teams to basically exist and basically pay, paying them to be on the grid, uh, surely that can be best invested elsewhere. You know, perhaps that money could be invested in, you know, uh, financing all these new street circuits we've got. And instead of having celebrities who don't really have that much of a vested interest in F1, can maybe look to perhaps be lowering the cost of tickets just a little bit. So even people who are on pretty decent wages in, in the UK, without sounding arrogant, you know, someone like myself, means I wouldn't have to remortgage my house if I wanted to go to an F1 weekend. It is kind of ridiculous to the extent of how much ticket prices have escalated particularly um over the last you know few years at the very least but you know comparing the different obviously eras like financial changes aside um you know when it comes to you know paying a team just for existing you know all you're really doing there is just saying we can't afford to lose you as a brand so you know here's some money please agree with the decisions that we make but then if they're going to threaten to pull out anyway then where is your benefit to you know paying them the money to stick around you know there is no there is no benefit really other than keeping brands around but then they'll just say well we don't want we don't like this decision we don't like other teams being allowed to come into the sport but we'll get to that we'll get to that later now we're putting someone else back in the hot seat it's tom you've got 90 seconds here we go 3 2 1 yeah, so my hot take is that Hamilton has got the measure of George Russell this year. And I know, you know people who listen to this, so you may be watching this later on, they're like, oh, yeah, Hamilton has a time world champion. Yeah, well done, he is. Um, but, you know, you know, Russell, you know, he won F3, then F2, back to, that's going to get clipped. Um, but, you know, he, uh, Hamilton, uh, sorry, Russell won F3, then F2, you know, back to back. Um, no, he's not Ruby. Um, and um, Ruby's put in the chat, he's next time world champion. No, he's not. He lost 2016 and he lost all the others, so yeah, try again. Um, he uh, um, last year, you know, I, I, I thought, I, I thought at the time that you know, oh, you know, Russell's come in, you know, he's beating Hamilton, you know, he took pole in Hungary and then you know, he, he won the sprint in the feature race in, in Brazil and blah blah blah. What we didn't realize at the time. And especially when we were seeing Hamilton to the, you know qualifying quite low down the order, whereas Hamilton was running alternate setups, he was running alternate wings. He was basically a test mule. Now that Russell and Hamilton have got the same car, Hamilton is um uh Hamilton is basically dusting him off. And this, you know, it's just like, you know, um you know, Russell has let perhaps a bit of um a, a bit of not not insecurity but but let a bit of sort of like frustration show through in his driving and i think hamilton's got the better of him hamilton's got the better of him just you were using that extra time that you saved up earlier there weren't you tom uh in order to fit that in as well as uh telling me off for you know using the chat tell um, me that wasn't a perfect 90 seconds it wasn't a perfect 90 seconds but it was close um goodness yeah, Hamilton has the measure of Russell. Um, an interesting one, considering, obviously, statements earlier in this podcast. Um, but, you know, Sophia, you've obviously talked about um, Hamilton not quite obviously being able to get that eighth title. Would you like to follow up on Tom's comments here? I mean, if, <clears throat> if you're looking at the standings right now, Lewis has 148 points. George has 99 points. Let me double check that. Yeah, 99 points. He's currently tied with Charles Leclerc. Also, George has been in this racing game much less than Lewis has as well. I think if you were to nitpick, nitpick <laughs> the amount of time that Lewis has been in the same amount of time as George, I think George is outperforming Lewis. I think Lewis, to, he had a great opening season. Don't get me wrong with McLaren. He had great times with Mercedes. But I think if you were to take George's time in a Williams and um, now with the Mercedes, I think it's better than what Lewis has done in the same amount of time. I think also 
the fact that George has been in a Williams that's not performed very well and it's been a butt end of a lot of the jokes that we say on here, I think it's also showing his determination that he wants to prove himself and he's going to constantly try to prove it, uh, prove himself for it. Even with the fact that he got points in the Williams and podium, like that is a big deal. If you did it in a Mercedes, it's, oh, it's in a Mercedes. Okay. I think, I, I still stand, I think George is better than Lewis. I think it's going to happen this season as well. Obviously, everyone's saying, oh, Lewis last season, it was the change to the car. But again, it's the biggest discussion ever. What's more important, the driver or the car? Because the thing is that if you're saying, oh, Lewis is doing all the upgrades, so that means it's the car the reason why he's not performing well, not him as a driver, and vice versa. It's that decade-old kind of conversation about it as well. But I, I still stand by my point. I think George will give Lewis more of the run of the money for it. Elaine, this just became a, a, a hot take of rather than Lewis versus George. Is it car versus driver? Do you want to follow up on that, or have you got something to say, Hamilton Russell? Um, just for the, I mean, I've devil's advocate a little bit here, but like Russell came in with basically no experience in the faster car, you know, back in 2020, and and more than held his own. And I think we're just seeing the early parts of a, a driver's career. Lewis made a number of mistakes, and I and I agree with Sophia on the fact that right, Lewis has had. If we count the 2009 McLaren, uh, the 20 or no, the 2009 McLaren, possibly the 2013 Mercedes, uh, if you want to look at a tire wear perspective, and what else? I guess maybe the 2011 McLaren were the only cars that are flat out. Oh, and of course, the last two Mercedes are the only cars that have been flat out bad. Um, you know, he never had to do the dirty work in a, in, a, in a Williams for ages. You know, I think there's a there's a little bit to be said for 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 Lewis being you know have, having you know the rep of the green and a lot of the time. You know, he's not you know he's he's done fairly well with what he's had, but and, and he has won a race. You know, in, in well, or had won a race in almost in bad cars um, until 2022. So. But I just, I just kind of think that we're ju- we're just seeing the start of Russell, and you know he's just gonna he's just gonna increase. Whereas I think Lewis is probably slowing down a bit. He's getting that little bit older. So I think I I, I think it's we're, we're we're right on the transition point here. Right on the transition point. Well, we got two. We got some uh, with a devil's advocate. We got some opposing. Um, we finally found the hottest of the takes so far. Um, but moving on to the next hot take then. Um, Wayne, we're putting you back in the hot seat for the final time. And with 90 seconds on the clock, three, two, one. My hot take is, if a prospective team meets all the requirements set by the FAA and is deemed capable of running the car at Formula One standard... Neither the rights holder nor the teams should be able to block the entry of a new team to the grid. I probably should have phrased it better that way. It would have sounded a bit better. Um, the teams and F1 are likely to choose whether a team joins based on whether that team is it will be in their best interest. The teams dislike the addition of a new team because it would dilute their payments for, from F1 for being in the championship, despite the anti-dilution $200 million, I think, um, which they feel is too low. Um and no team wants to be eleventh, where I don't believe any prize money is paid for your finishing position. That's the case. That was the case when the new teams were on the grid, uh, and the teams are going to feel at risk that they're going to be in that position. Um, in addition, the rights holder, as we have seen with the various bits of sponsorship that have been coming through, um, are more likely to choose a team that is based on whether it's good for their commercial interests, not the sport as a whole. Which is a bit weird, bearing in mind Andretti's trying to get in and they won't choose an American team. Um, they claim they've got one with Haas, and that's about it. Um, you know, the FIA is not uh, an organisation who is, you know, is completely impartial, um, but they are more likely to make a decision that's fairer to the joining team. And if a prospective, if a prospective team has the financial interest, uh, sorry, financial means, and is judged to have the technical capabilities to construct a Formula One car, they should be able to join without that interference. Um, that's that's basically what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't think the, F, I don't even think F. And you're muted because that is 90 seconds. You are the first person to um, actually go over their time limit. But 
the message was sent across if a team can support itself as a new team in Formula One, there should not be any sort of extra team barriers and obstacles to that team joining. Sophia, how would you like to respond? I 100% agree. I think it's also teams being scared because they're afraid of these new teams who have not raced in Formula One coming in and outperforming them. I think that's probably the biggest fear of teams. You have a team like Andretti, for example, that's been in the rumor mill about coming in for 2026. Um, They've done great in other motor displays. It's not like they don't know what they're doing. They are, they have prestige heritage and everything maybe not in formula one but um also in like indy cars and all of that and so i think it's a great opportunity as well and also it allows more teams to kind of get involved as well because it is so competitive we have seen drivers have to change the goal of a career because there's no seats available we saw uh, take Felipe Djokovic, who had an amazing season in Formula 2, had no seat and now is waiting for a year. And he's probably not even going to get a seat next year. Like, it, it's it hindering a team that has the means and capability and can actually improve this sport. I think it's just being very selfish. I understand, like, obviously, sponsorships and money and all of that. But at the same time, it also allows more people to get involved with the sport. I mean, I'm always going to go with, the, like, speaking about Andretti because I think they're probably the best ones to be involved, but obviously we've had conversations of high tech. High tech's been involved in all feeder series in the Formula One world. That is also a great team that could get involved and also help give development drivers because they're the ones that have done all the way from F4 all the way to F2. Why not, or even F5 or whatever, like the regionals, why not have a team get involved that is using developmental drivers, using the young drivers in and actually helping them as a career. I, I just, I don't understand it's why people are blocking it for it. And it, it just hinders, I think, in the sport and the viewing and people wanting to get involved. Like that's a lot of jobs as well per team that is potentially wasting out of opportunity. Great knowledge, great skills, because people are getting complacent as it is. We have seen 11 teams. I don't understand why it's so hard to bring back 11 teams yeah just just to sort of jump jump in on that again um teams that are vetoing other teams joining uh or or you know sort of like stopping them from you know stopping them from from becoming part of the grid it's like i think it's such a wolf came out a couple weeks ago and, and said that you know we don't have capacity for an 11th team on the grid and whilst in some circuits you know like Monaco or, you know, you someone like Zandvoort where the pit lane is really tight and really narrow, that could I could potentially see where he's coming from because, you know, it's not just um, you know, it's it's not just, you know, sort of having two extra cars on the grid, it's all the extra personnel, you know, it's it's basically two more sets of everything. Um, because obviously you, you have you know two you, you whilst it's one entity, you will you imagine have two cars. Um so you know, so there is that to factor in, but if you look at most circuits, you know, if you look at pretty much any permanent racing circuit, they have probably twice as many garages as they need because each team will get four to five garages. Plus, you have all the scrutineering at the start, and you have the FIA ones and all the rest of it. But to counter out what Toto said, we've had an we've had an eleventh team at two races this year already in in the shape of was it axgp that, that they're doing the filming for you know and they've got a full garage setup they've got four cars everything and we've had you know we had it in 2016 we had 11 teams on grids such as monaco on grids such as baku you, you know you, you know you know places like that so um no i, I said axgp ruby a axgp is, is a good friend of ours aaron harper um uh, check him out by the way um uh, but yeah, no, um, uh, you know, there is more than enough room for 11 teams. And teams that are saying, you know, oh, we, we don't have room or anything, they're just hanging out because they don't want to give up, excuse me, their share of the prize money. That's what it is. Elaine, the discussion is finished. You have some time if you would like to reply. I mean, if anything, it's not even eleven team. We've had twelve. <laughs> we've we've had we've had even twenty. We've had even uh, you know thir- thirteen teams on the grid. Um, it's not you know what if it. They, they let you say it's a really good point. There's clearly capacity for an extra team, let alone probably a couple of others. 
it's pure it's pure and simple i I don't want to call it insecurity but it's literally just risk management from from everyone that's not you know that's from from f1 and uh and the teams that's it that's the only reason they do it you know right if if a team meets the requirements and and you're and you're if you're you know what if you're unhappy with the with the dilution payments put up or shut up like you know if you don't like it leave you know there's there's other places to there's other places to race but you're here because it's the pinnacle motorsport and you like the and you like the marketing prestige so you know it, 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 it's it's so weird they they claim to be competitive but th- of course they're not they just want they just want to win no, no no team wants a competitive championship so of course they don't want an extra team i just think it's i think it's ridiculous for them to claim oh we you know we we can't do it it's not possible when it, it clearly is and and uh, the only reason, you know, just come out with it. Just come out with it. You don't want another team to take down the, the amount of money you get. And what it does do as well is obviously, obviously there is a financial penalty for not finishing towards the front of the grid. Um, but you obviously do get that, um, you know, aero like development time for the season after. What having that 11th team on the grid does is actually put, you know, a, a full on financial penalty for finishing last you get no bonus prize money for finishing outside of the top 10. So you were, I think you, it was you that raised it away and like, that is a thing. Um, but because we've only had 10 teams, that means that every, all the teams entering the competition do get a slot of the prize money. Um, but yeah, a very um, interesting debate that F1 will continue long after we finish this podcast. But Tom, you are back in the hot seat for the final time. There's 90 seconds on the clock and your time starts in three, two, one. Yeah, so my final hot take and probably my spaciest one of them all is Haas should drop Kevin Magnussen and optionally replace him with Fittipaldi. Now, the main focus of my point is about dropping Magnussen. And I know he came back in and scored P5 and his comeback, and everybody said, oh, that's a Viking comeback, I think is uh, Gunter called it. He's competed against Mick Schumacher, who, let's be fair, is not the highest of opposition or, you know, the sort of highest calibre of opposition. Um yeah, uh, K Mag, you know, uh, has proved this year, especially with Hulk coming back in, you know, who, who's had you know, a couple of years out. I know he's had a couple of sub appearances, but you know, hasn't raced full time. You know, has never driven a V6 turbo hybrid Ferrari engine before. You know, you know, you know only drove the Aston Martin last year when when Seb had, had COVID. Um, yeah, I I, I think uh, has has should drop K Mag because he's. He's not doing good enough, and Hulk is basically carrying the team by this point. The race pace doesn't help, but I think they should drop him for a young driver in their academy. A young driver in their do has have an academy, um, but I think part of obviously the problem um, and the reason yeah. as to why they brought back K Mag and Nico Hulkenberg ultimately was that you know risk versus reward return on investment. There was just simply too much. Um, you know, payout in terms of, you know, damage to go back. Yeah, exactly. And bringing in Pietro Fittipaldi is that, you know, risk management. Sophia, how would you like to respond to Tom? I think given the damages and costs that both Mick and Nikita uh, incurred over some of the years, it's going to take time for them to actually regain that money back. So they're better off to have more seasonal drivers not to say that they're not going to perform well, but it's, again, that risk of a reward. I think having the reward of having two drivers who know these cars, who know these tracks, I think is probably better. Pietro has done uh, free practice sessions since last season because he was the reserve driver for them last season and is obviously this season. And I think even the season before as well. Um, I think, again, he he's very similar to how Oscar's been and, and a few other drivers where they've taken some time out and everything. I don't, I personally don't see him getting a seat in Haas, actually, at all. I think he is similar to how Robert Schwartzman was. I can see that being P, uh, Pietro's career, which is really sad, but he also has a younger brother who's won some races in Formula 2 and is a Red Bull reserve a junior driver. So I think I understand replacing... Kevin Magnussen, I don't think Pietro might be not the best choice. He is a great 
reserve driver and has done well in P1 and everything. But I think Haas just needs to get the money more than anything else for it um, because they've they've lost a lot with mixed crashes and the key to obviously with losing their main sponsors with um, everything that happened with the Ukraine-Russia war and everything. So I do understand it, but I think by now they need to focus on getting money and kind of performing average. Performing average. I joked in our chat um, as a sort of follow-up to what you were saying, of course, you know, like they've got so much time that they need to make up the amount of money that they've lost. Um, Tying into the previous hot take, you know, that's why they don't want an 11th team because if they finish last, which let's face it, has have a good chance of doing, that's that's money that they're not going to win to pay back their collision, uh, you know, finances. Um, But anyway, we'll move on to our final hot take of the show. And Sophia, you started the hot takes. You are in the you're in the hot seat for the final time. And there's 90 seconds on the clock for your final hot take of the show. The timer starts in three, two, one. Well, I started off with talking about Lewis and his world championships. I'm going to end this with talking about Max and his world championships. I believe Max will retire either on or before he wins five world championships. The reason why is because I think more so this season, because of how strong Red Bull dominance has been, I can see him getting bored. He obviously has made jokes with his engineers about doing some pit stop strategies in order to like replace tires in the last lap, um, trying to steal points from his teammates and everything. I think it's now a game, and I think it's just going to run too much for him. I think if Red Bull wasn't as dominant this season than we expected it to be, I think maybe would have been more likely for him to stay longer, but I know he has signed a long-term contract, but again, contracts can be broken. We've seen that. They've been moved around. I just think he will get too bored, and he's done so much and has achieved so much, minus the World Championships. Obviously, he's won two. He's on track to win third by Japan, Singapore, this year. So it is possible, but I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to retire before his fifth. Retire before his fifth, and you're going to finish before 90 seconds. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> every every time um but yeah like there's obviously an element of you know it's been said max is a racer and if there's one thing that we haven't seen a lot this season it is racing at the front from max verstappen um but Wayne, how would you like to respond to this hot take uh i don't i think he i'll put it this way lewis didn't say that he said that he was uh that he was you know he, he didn't sort of kind of outwardly care about uh Michael Schumacher's records until he got close to them and then he went and, and then he's carried on you know it would be easy they're, they're, they're not you know I'll put it this way they're not I don't think Max Verstappen is like Seb Vettel I I I don't think they're built like that I mean it doesn't I'll put it this way like you you raised uh that you um you know the that he's getting bored and that you know they're wanting to do pit stop practice and things like that and you know he's having to go resort to stealing points off his teammate no, that's the point. He's like he it, to the point where he's stealing pizza points off his teammate. I say stealing, going and getting the fastest lap. This guy is always wanting to push on. He's always wanting to go further, do more, be faster. He like there's no. I don't think there's a any way in hell that he's gonna that he's gonna uh, quit before you know before he's sort of stopped by either age or 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 or, a, or slow cars. Like I, this guy is is only built for winning. Um, and you know whether that's a character flaw, you know whether whether that drive doesn't you know produce a very well-rounded person. I don't, you know, that remains to be debated. But I guess it's uh, for me, it's one of those things where I'm just like, you know what, these it doesn't matter what they're doing. The 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 you know the racing drivers always say that the next win is the sweet the only the sorry the sweetest win is the next one. That they they're not built to to give up or 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 even or even bail out of a contract halfway through. They only he he. I reckon he will go as long as he can. I think he just. I I don't know. I think because there's not that much competition at the moment. I think because obviously he wants to see that he is the best. Obviously he has broken records. He is continuously to break records. But I think after a certain amount of time, he's just gonna be like, yeah, I'm still trying. I'm still going for the championships. I think he can move over to say. I can, he could maybe even get the triple crown. I think that could be a good realistic because, again, it's his competitive nature, but it doesn't have to be 
that competitive nature as an athlete given myself as well like you were always chasing the high but it didn't have to be the same path it could have been from different paths could have been from different avenues I think because right now I think it's just it's the same thing we know that he's going to win no matter where he's going to start from the grid he has he's already broken a record right now about how many times um has won from different places on the grid. He is the youngest driver to win points um, and world championships. Like he has those records that will never be broken. Right now, a lot of them are the more prolonged ones. And I think he's just going to get burnt out and bored by the time that he has opportunities to go to those age records. The non-age records, yeah, 100% he's going to break them. I can I can see that happening. But the being the longest driver and the most consecutive points and all that, from a time perspective, I think he's going to get burnt out before that actually happens. And it could be that Red Bull as well loses their dominance in the next couple of years. We've seen that with Mercedes. We've seen that with Ferrari. We've seen that with McLaren. Red Bull is the next one to kind of do that now as well. And it could be that he wants to bow out before that. I doubt it, but he could go to other disciplines. Like I said, could try IndyCar, go for a triple crown. He will still chase that, but I think he will get bored too quickly or burnt out too quickly, whichever comes first. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, with with Max, you know, I just he's he's been in F one since he was Betty Arnappies, and you know he, he's still only twenty five. He's been in F one. This is what his eighth season. He's won two titles. He's he's you know it, pending something extraordinary happening. He's going to win his third this year, and you might have to look at you know twenty twenty four. You know he he may well win it next year you know it, it depends you know it depends if Perez has said his teammate you know if Red Bull are you know as quick as we think they're going to be and what other teams do but you know the, the signs are looking a bit ominous for, for for next season as well because he's he's absolutely you know at the top of his game at the minute and we've seen him racing in sort of different you know sort of like diff, different styles we've seen him racing in the midfields getting getting the odds win here and there you know it's like he won in every year from 20 2016 onwards i obviously didn't win in 2015 in the in the toro rosso um but you know you know he, he took you know, he, he took her in spain in 2016 then he took malaysia and i think mexico 2017 then won austria like 2018 and 2019 you know so you know so he, he, even even when the red bull hasn't been at the front of the grid and he's had pretty shoddy reliability with the old renault power unit or sorry tacoya power unit definitely not renault definitely yeah, because that London watch manufacturer definitely have an engine plant hanging around in Switzerland. Um, you know, it's a, you know, it, when when you look at that, and then you know, then obviously, you know, when the when the Renault engines came in, he was still winning. He even took a couple of wins in twenty twenty, opportunistic wins, but wins nonetheless. And then then you know, twenty twenty one, obviously, we saw him fight tooth and nail for you know for that championship. Um, and I'm not getting into that, you know, not getting into that. And then obviously, twenty twenty two just. It sort of like overcame some early uh, some early troubles and then won a record on the races and this season well yeah he's just he's just away with the fairies he said it himself you know he doesn't want to be racing for you know years and years and years and years so i can see him retiring by the time he's like 30 and i know he says that he's not he's not worried you know not thinking about titles and all uh, you know the records on the rest of it Everybody says that, then they get close, like I said. So you know, so take take from that what you will. But I think if Red Bull get the twenty twenty six Reds regs wrong and they fall, you know, fall down the pecking order, I think we could. I think he could you know, take himself out of it. Yeah, and we have seen, of course, as well, like with Vettel, with Lewis, like when obviously a team does mess up those regulation changes. You want to be in the team that's nailed the regulation changes. You want to have moved before your legacy gets tainted by, you know, we saw Vettel uh, sort of floundering with Red Bull in 2014, moving over to Ferrari where things looked a little bit positive and then, you know, ended up being Aston Martin around the back of the grid. Like this was a four-time world champion who at one point looked unstoppable. Um, but because the team that he was with didn't nail the regulation changes, you know, Vettel obviously will go down as one of the greats, but he's, you know, not being one that's currently talked about right now. Max Verstappen, you know, depending on how 2026 goes, could follow that same pattern. Um, but those were our hot takes. Um, if you have anything to respond to those, we'd love to see that kind of discussion in the comments. But obviously be aware, we everyone has a right to an opinion. 
um, no matter how spicy. Um, but, you know, let, let's try and keep it civil here. We are not F1X Twitter. Um, but anyway, now, obviously, we've had some uh, fiery promo. Well, fiery promo. What am I on about? We've had some fiery hot takes. Where can people um, promo? So, Owain, let's start with you. You're a Grid Talk co-host. Anything you'd like to plug? Um, I don't my laptop in <laughs> <laughs> to read all those to to read to, to read our our, our uh, my criticism of my hot takes. I guess <laughs> that's about it. Wow. Okay, Sophia, uh, Formula Talk host, but also from EF1. Which would you like to pitch today? Can I not do both? <laughs> I yeah, mean, <laughs> um, yeah, so Formula Talk, I host it with Tom. We've had a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, but we are now back uh, as I am now back in the UK and healthy. Um, <laughs> so you can hear us on where you listen to Grid Talk. It's the same channels. You can find us on the social medias as well. Um, and as mentioned, I work with EF1 or Everything F1. Um, I actually just finished a podcast with Tom Gaymore from IndyCar, Sky F1 IndyCar. Uh, you can find it on wherever you get your podcast from. You can find our socials at JoinEF1 and our website, www.everythingf1. Tom, also a Grid Talk co-host. Anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, main, the main thing is our socials. So it's, uh, um, we are at Grid Talk UK on God, where we? Twitter, X, whatever it's called. Um, are we still on threads? I think so. We're on uh, threads. Yeah, I deactivated mine because I didn't use it. Um, Instagram, Facebook, yeah, all there. Um, that's my social. Can you, can you tell I don't really do social media that much? Um, so yeah, so yeah. Uh, basically, all, all all your all your social media platforms just look, just search at Grid Talk UK, and also you know as Ruby said, the Spotify. Uh, sorry, the podcast is on Spotify and everywhere else. You've taken my next line. How dare oh, you? Oh, how dare I? How dare you? How but dare you, I? Yeah, if, if you can't find us at Grid Talk UK on the social media platform, we're probably not on it. Um, but Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live, this one not being so. Um, but also Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula on Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights and better recording equipment. And also make sure you subscribe to be the first to know when each new episode is released. We'll be back soon with plenty more one content and the second half of the formula one season but thank you very much for listening to the grid top podcast presented by bet online and goodbye